Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the NFL free agent negotiating period began on Monday. What would you think about Indomitian Sue and Gerald McCoy on the same defensive line? I guess it could happen. The Bucks begin by re-signing some of their own, and could Drew Brees be on the move from New Orleans? And we got the ratings in for Tiger and Valspar, and they're through the roof. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Let yep. me apologize. What would you do with Rick Stroud? <laughs> well, he's in here somewhere. Let me apologize for my voice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this with an, a nose pin or a clothes pin on my nose. Um, yeah, a little under the weather today. I think a lot of that's going around, courtesy of my, my two daughters, I believe. But I'm going to play Hurt, and if you'll listen Hurt, hopefully it won't hurt your ears, but we're going to get through this together, I promise you. So, big day today in the NFL. They began their free agent negotiating period, and you know NFL teams can actually talk about contracts, but they can't sign players until... Armageddon starts at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. That's when Adam Schefter sits there with a phone in one ear and a microphone in his other hand and, you know, starts spouting all the kinds of deals in about 45 minutes. It's the most exciting 45 minutes in the NFL sometimes. But that doesn't happen until Wednesday. What they did do today, though, was talk to agents about other players from other teams. And you had a lot of players being released and some being re-signed by their own teams. And you can start right here in Tampa Bay uh, with the Buccaneers. That's what Jason Light has spent his time doing. You know, there was several guys that we have been talking about that we figured would have a chance to to come back to their teams. And a guy like Cameron Brait, who was a restricted free agent, he was not unrestricted. But what it meant was he could have gone out, sought an offer sheet. The Bucks would have had to tender him a certain amount to match it, that sort of thing. Well, they locked up Cameron Brait today. And they did it in a big way. I mean, here's a guy that was from Harvard, not exactly a football factory. He should be on Wall Street by this time. Uh, Instead, he's made, as I said in the Times, a pretty good closing argument for being one of the better tight ends in football. And so he gets a six-year, $40.8 million contract. And here's the part that he should love the most, $18 million in guarantees. So he avoids going out there and testing the market as a restricted free agent. Brate's an incredible story. I mean, he was cut three times by the Bucks. In fact, a couple of years ago, if you remember, after they cut him, he went to the New Orleans Saints and was on their practice squad for a couple of weeks, and the Bucks quickly got him back, like in week three of that year, and put him on the active roster. Or who knows? I mean, Cameron Brate would be catching touchdown passes from Drew Brees. But Brate has done a heck of a job. I mean, he's got 14 touchdowns receptions in the last two seasons. I think maybe only other two tight ends in the league have as many or more than that. So for him to get the kind of deal he got, it's really a testament to just rewarding a guy for hard work because I remember seeing Cameron Brait when he was just a practice squad player and he was hitting the sled. First of all, he was a lot thinner than he is now. He's, he's really beefed up. He could not block. I mean, it was it was sort of embarrassing to watch him at times like with the other 
guys like Luke Stocker and some of the other tight ends they had, Austin Safarian Jenkins. I mean, he just wasn't that guy. He's more of a receiver than he is a uh, an inline tight end. But he made himself at least an adequate blocker and just a great route runner and a guy who stays, I mean, literally, you know, the old adage, first one on, last guy off. Cameron Brait, every day, is the last player off the field at practice. I mean, he'll sit there and catch balls from Jameis Winston. He will do it on the jugs gun after that. And he has made himself sort of into this red zone weapon that he has been for the Buccaneers. So you're happy for a guy like Cameron Brayton. And, and people are talking, you know, on social media about, well, you know, why are you signing Cameron Brayton to a six-year deal with this much money guaranteed and you just used the 19th overall pick on O.J. Howard? And the answer is they didn't plan on drafting O.J. Howard. He kind of fell to them, but he's a great football player. And the last time I checked, you can play more than one tight end at a time. And that's what the Bucks did last year with a lot of two tight end sets. O.J. Howard's always going to be close to the line of scrimmage and going to be that inline blocker. You're going to see Brait most of the time split out at some point in the slot trying to create mismatches. And both of them last year were really productive. I had a guy tweet at me say, you know, um, it's foolish to spend this kind of money when you have a first-round pick at tight end. But they both caught six touchdown passes last year, so they were equally effective sort of in the red zone. So I think it's it's a pretty good move. It was an obvious one. They weren't going to let Cameron Brake get out there as an RFA. I think a lot of teams would have gobbled him up, certainly, with good quarterbacks. And, and he really is that safety valve, if you will, for Jameis Winston. The other big news, and there's some there's some other acquisitions we're going to get to, four of them, as a matter of fact, all involving Bucks players, was Brent Grimes. Brent Grimes coming back. You know, there was some talk at the end of the year he'll be 35 in July. Did he want to keep playing football? That was one question he had to answer, and he's kind of in a year-to-year basis. We know Miko wants him to play in, like, the NBA D-League or whatever, um, and I, I suppose he's athletic enough to do that. But Mike Smith and Jason Light, and Dirk Cutter made no bones about it at the end of the year. They told, you know, Brent, like they did a year ago, we want we want you back, we hope you play, and he is going to play. He gets a one-year deal for $10 million. I don't know how much of that, how that splits up in terms of incentives or base salaries, or maybe, maybe all of it's guaranteed. It will be if he makes the team. But at least in re-signing a guy like that in Brent Grimes, you're not hostage when you go into the draft in the early rounds of saying, you know what, we have to get a corner in the first two rounds. Um, you know, you have Vernon Hargraves coming back. They, you know, re-sign Jadavian Elliott, who's kind of a slot guy if he, if he has to be. Hargraves is played inside. You still have Ryan Smith. So you have some options. You can start the season if you did, just like you did last year, uh, with Brent Grimes and with Vernon Hargraves outside if you wanted to. So they still have some decisions to make on some other players, and I think they will probably address the cornerback position, especially in the draft. I think this probably removes the uh, the necessity to do that in free agency when you get Grimes back. But that's the way they decided to go. We'll see if he's able to play a lot of games. I know he missed three last year, and you know typically these guys don't get healthier. But when you look at his numbers, I mean, he's been terrific. He's had seven interceptions in the last two years for the Bucks since 2013. He's had 20, and I think that's equaled by uh, Richard Sherman um, for one, and there's another player, Reggie Nelson, a safety from the Raiders, has had that many. So good production, good player. Mike Smith's comfortable with him. They get him back. Now the other thing they did 
was lock up Adam Humphreys, who, uh, of course, is much like Brait. Very similar story. In fact, these guys are roommates with Ryan Griffin. It's it's quite a bachelor pad over there uh, in in Tampa. But Humphreys was somebody that was undrafted, much like Brait, came to Tampa Bay. They discovered him, however, in a rookie tryout. I mean, he didn't even he wasn't one of those guys that you know you call up and say, hey, come to training camp as an undrafted free agent. He had to go to the rookie training camp route first. And he made the team. He's steadily gotten better each season until now. You know, last year he actually, and I don't think people realize this, he was second on the team in receptions. He had 61. That was 11 more than Deshaun Jackson, 631 yards and one touchdown. And you sort of kind of know what what you've got in Adam Humphreys, very reliable guy, a durable guy, even despite his size. And what they did for him was they offered him the equivalent of a second-round tender. And what that means is, just, just to kind of explain it, he's going to get quite a, quite a raise this season if he stays with the Bucks, And I think they'll still probably negotiate before this is all said and done. They may well negotiate an entire new contract with him before it's all over. In the case of Humphreys, what that means is they guarantee him a one-year contract, this time for $2.914 million, almost $3 million, as a restricted free agent. That's up from $615,000 that he made last year. So a nice boost for him. And should Humphreys go out there and sign an offer sheet, he's still a restricted free agent. But should he go out there and sign an offer sheet, what it means is the Bucks still have the right of first refusal that can match any offer he were to get from another team. And if they chose not to do that, since they have him at a second-round uh, second tender, it means they would get that team's second-round pick in the, next, in the next upcoming draft, which is this year in April. So they're protected either way. I frankly don't know that there's a team that would give you a second-round pick for Adam Humphreys. I do know that there are reports that, and this would not surprise anybody, the New England Patriots had an interest in Adam Humphreys. So we'll see if they have him rated as high as that. We know New England has done very, very well with players like him, whether it was Julian Edelman and and guys like that. Wes Welker, who is somebody that Humphreys has patterned his game after. So there's always a possibility that maybe somebody comes and and tries to make an offer sheet, but uh, I think Adam Humphreys will be back. Finally, uh, the last thing they did was they signed Darius Glanton, who is a a guy that – uh, you know, filled in at linebacker. They had a lot of injuries early in the season. He did a very good job. I think he had over 20 tackles, uh, started three games for them. Can play a lot of different positions. He does a one-year deal. It's worth about a million dollars. And so it gives them depth at the linebacker position in case they uh, were to have some other injuries. But, uh, you know, I think those moves were anticipated. I don't, I don't see anything really surprising here. The numbers are Good for guys like Brait, good for guys like Humphrey, and, of course, having Grimes back, there was some indecision there. But you start by trying to lock up as many of as your own people as you can. Now, there was, I mentioned that some players were released or the news of their impending release before 4 o'clock on Wednesday came out, and one of those guys is in Domicon Sioux. The Miami Dolphins are going to unload him and take a pretty big hit on the salary cap to boot. Now, you know, it's... A lot of people excited about this in Tampa, and I would just say pump the brakes a little bit here because he is not going to come cheap. But can you imagine if you were to line up in Domicon Sioux next to a Gerald McCoy, what a defensive front you'd have inside especially. Uh, those two guys, 
have been linked ever since the draft in 2010, I believe it was. Uh, Indomicon went number two, Gerald went number three. And of course, the Dolphins are the second team that Sue has been. Sue's a totally different demeanor. Uh, I think, you know, there's the de- still debate about who's had the better career. But anyway, you slice it, this will be Sue's third team wherever he goes. And he's a different type of player. Um, I think in terms of sacks, they're close. Um, but, you know, he's a more physical. Certainly, he has a, a nasty edge to him that a lot of people would like to see on the Bucks' defensive line. I don't personally think, I think, you know, he's a bit of a mercenary, too. He's going to go for the most money, and there'll be somebody out there that will pay him a lot of money, and you have to be, you know, conscious of the fact that, you know, Gerald McCoy, you can't pay him more than Gerald, uh, I would not think, on this football team. So uh doesn't seem like a place he would come, but, boy, a lot of people were excited about that. Speaking of the NFL, there was uh, some other news kind of breaking uh, about the Minnesota Vikings, who, as you know, are very much in the market for a quarterback. They're going to let their three guys essentially test the market which is somewhat surprising with some of the success that they had last year. But uh, I, I actually think that they're going to get in probably or very heavily after Kirk Cousins. But one of the things they did was check in with Saints quarterback Drew Brees. And there's just an assumption that Drew Brees is going to re-up with New Orleans. And um, if for some reason he doesn't in the next few days, like the start of the league year, I think the Saints have to take on an $18 million salary cap hit no matter what happens to them. So they don't want to do that, and yet you see the deals for guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, how do you pay Drew Brees less than a Jimmy Garoppolo, even though it's for a shorter term because of all that Drew Brees has accomplished? But if you go back and remember the start of Drew Brees' career, I mean, he was injured severely in San Diego and was really looking for a football team. The Bucks never even called him, and they needed a quarterback at the time. He went to Miami, and Nick Saban was down there, and they, they did a physical with him. They brought in Dante Culpepper, who was coming off a knee injury, and they determined that Breeze was too hurt for him. They, they chose Culpepper, and Breeze ends up in New Orleans, and that's when Sean Payton came in. It was post-Hurricane Katrina. So they helped put that city together, of course, and won a Super Bowl. They went to the championship the first year and then won a Super Bowl eventually. And so, you know, Breeze has an awful lot of roots in the New Orleans community. I mean, that's, that's fairly obvious. Um, you still wonder about the money, like, you know, is he going to be okay taking somewhere in the $22, $23 million range? That's something he has to decide. But I will say that any notion that he's going to leave New Orleans I think is foolish. And if you want to know why, just listen to Zach Streif. Now, Zach Streif is a guy that was a seventh-round pick, an offensive lineman that came to New Orleans, uh, sort of a make-it guy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. And he watched Drew Brees and, of course, protected him and worked very closely with him. But it was Drew Brees that inspired this guy's career. Streif retired on Monday. Here's what he had to say about Brees with Brees in the audience. For the past eight years, I've played in front of the most prolific passer in NFL history. Drew Brees has been the single greatest motivation for me as a player. Every day I would walk into the building 
I'm past Drew watching film. Every Thursday, I would send him pictures of the menu so we could order his dinner since his workday ended four hours after ours. You've made countless sacrifices for your teammates, spent countless hours with us instead of your family. My greatest drive as a player was not to let you down. You're the greatest wow. leader I've ever been around. And I admire you so much as a player, but more as a person. Being a small part of your Hall of Fame career has been my greatest honor as a player. Okay, so Streif was obviously crying. There's, you know, Breeze in the audience, he's crying. And when I watched this the first time, I was starting to tear up, and I don't really know either one of them that well. Um, this is what this game is, and it's, it's sort of cornballish when you try to explain it to people. Um, but that's what that's what a quarterback in particular can do to a football team that's the, into an offensive line. You know, guys that kind of lay their bodies out there and, and, you know, literally lay it on the line to protect the quarterback. And you heard it there. I mean, those are, those are the leaders of men um, that can achieve things. And Drew Brees is one of those men. One of the hardest working guys in football. Works out every offseason with Gerald McCoy, who's another hard worker out in San Diego with uh, Todd Durkin. So it's, uh, it's quite a quite a testament to hear Streif and to hear um, just the emotion in his voice as he hangs it up in the NFL and, and credits Drew Brees with uh, sort of inspiring him and not wanting to let him down. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. So before we talk about Tiger Woods and the Valspar, I got a special offer for you from audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, You'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So you knew that the ratings were very, very, very good throughout the weekend, and certainly Saturdays were off the chart. We saw the crowds. They estimated over 30,000, I think, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that sort of thing, and the enthusiasm that went with it because Tiger Woods was in the Valspar and Tiger Woods was in contention right until the 72nd hole. So it was also not too surprising that myself and, and millions of others decided that on Sunday they were going to watch Tiger Woods at the Valspar on television. And that's exactly what happened. They had, uh, I guess it was a 5.1 is that was that was the share? That was the overnight rating, which was a hundred and ninety percent increase over last year's Valspar Championship. Goodness, and that is the uh, the most for a non-major championship tournament since the two thousand and thirteen Players Championship that Tiger won. Two thousand thirteen. So I mean, this is five years four ago, a, four and a half years ago. Yeah, incredible. Uh, more than last year's, I guess, ex- with the exception of last year's Masters, which was a six point eight. It was better than last year's U.S. Open, which was a 3.1, better than the British Open, which was a 3.2, and the PGA, also a 3.2. So just imagine, um, you know, there, there, it's, it's, it's always sort of been this way, right, that, that Tiger was good for golf and golf was not the same, although I think we had kind of grown, I don't want to say accustomed to, but almost – fatalistic that he may never come back. It certainly looked that way or certainly never would be in contention to be Tiger again. But look what one tournament with him playing good golf and playing, you know, in contention up until the last hole 
did for the ratings and for that sport. You know, just just incredible. And I don't think, Steve, we were talking about this a little bit uh, before the podcast. I'm not sure there's an athlete that has ever drawn this much attention and been so – Jack Nicholas was dominant. I mean, won 18 majors, right, and Tiger's still chasing him with 14. But I don't think there's ever been a player or an athlete in their sport that has met as much as Tiger Woods means to golf. The only one I could think of, and it's a little before my time, is Muhammad Ali. I would agree with that. I would agree with that because he was global. There's no doubt. I mean, he he was probably the biggest athletic figure in history, maybe worldwide, if you're talking about global. Um, so, but he's in. I mean, think about what we're saying here. He's in that realm. He's in. He's in the Muhammad Ali realm, and. You know, people are still buzzing about it. I mean, I, I I talked to Tom Jones, who wrote four Tiger Woods columns in four days, and people were asking, you know, is there anybody else playing in that tournament? No. <laughs> okay. I can't even remember who won. Who did win, by the way? Paul Casey. Um, Paul Casey, right, who had not won in nine years on the PGA tournament. <laughs> no one will remember that. Believe me, he'll be a trivia question. But this was Tiger's tournament. This was Tiger's comeback. And he's going to go to Arnie's tournament now at Bay Hill next week, and hopefully he can build on that. And I'm telling you, before long, the Masters is going to roll around, and that place, if he plays well or anything close to what he has played this past weekend at Augusta, which is a course that he, he's very familiar with and shapes very similarly in that, you know, if you're a ball striker, you get rewarded, and it's going to be off the chain. I mean, I never thought – I still didn't think Tiger Woods was going to come back and win a tournament. I now think he will assuming his back holds up. I mean, that's the big test, right? No one's ever tried to do this. But, man, what a what a shot in the arm for the sport of golf. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, you know, we were looking at some of the ratings, and that 5-1 rating, it's beaten every PGA championship since 2014. Wait, wait say, that, say that again. It's beaten that's beaten what? Every PGA championship broadcast since, since 2014. That's that's unbelievable. Every U.S. Open telecast since 2013, which is the which is our biggest tournament, right? I mean, I mean, the Masters is kind of taking that. Well, the because Masters of the is theater the theater of Augusta, one, but yes. But the U.S. Open is you know is their Open Championship. And every British Open telecast since 2000. Wow. Now the British wow. Open gets it's a little harder because it's earlier in the day, so the television ratings are never going to be quite as high because of the time yeah. difference from Britain. But still, 18 years since a British Open has beaten. The Valspar Championships final round. You know, I talked to a lot of people that covered that tournament, and I was out there one day, um, his first round on Thursday, and I walked ten holes with him. But to a man, everybody I know that that was out there and did did all seventy two, said that you know what those crowds. I mean, usually you would think someone's going to heckle you. I mean, maybe someone did somewhere. Nobody that I know heard it. They said it was almost universally just love you know, and excitement and enthusiasm. And I think he really, I think he really fed off of that. And we saw what he said about the Valspar on on his Twitter, you know, page and uh, thanking the fans for their enthusiasm and the adrenaline it gave him. Um, He hasn't been in that position in so long, but hopefully if the schedule is, you know, sets up right um, and he stays healthy and this will, he'll look back at this tournament very, very fondly and and the people of Tampa Bay that supported him. And so hopefully they'll they'll get some some you know repeat appearances by Tiger Woods, especially if he's able to to continue on and and make a career of it at at you know he's forty one now, so he still has 
plenty of good years left to play. Yeah, if you're a golf fan, whether you love or hate Tiger, whether you whatever he did, dislike or, or, or like it, whatever, you have him being in the sport only makes your sport more relevant. It makes it more exciting. It makes everything about it better. He's that transcendent that you have to appreciate sure. him being back. And, and and if you're a golf fan, enjoy it. You do you think most people even, but but you have to enjoy it. Do you think most people are still very cynical about like, yeah, you were a jerk, and yeah, you got what you had coming because of your personal crisis, and or do you think people are buying into the fact that you know what? He's not the same man. Like he has been through adversity. I mean, for all for the longest part, thinking that his he wouldn't play again. He didn't know, so he had golf taken away from him. His family, obviously, uh, there was a crisis in there. He had, um, you know, had went to rehab for um, some painkillers. He became addicted to. We all know about that. So perspective, you know, that's the thing about life. It's it's the journey. As you get older, you realize as you look back, it wasn't about what you achieved. It's about all those trials that you went through to get there. And I think that Tiger has a totally different perspective about the game of golf, about people. And hopefully we'll see him, you know, as he goes forward in his career, sort of sort of let himself, you know, available, make himself available to people in ways that we haven't seen before. And I, I thought we saw it this weekend. Maybe I was fooled, but it just seemed, it seemed genuine, you know, from both sides. It sure seems like in, in even the last few years as he's tried some of these comebacks, his interaction with players has been a lot better. Different. Yes, and you can kind of yes. see that on the course where you know early in his career he was well known that you know he didn't really converse with other players and didn't no. want to hang out and talk to and um, you know but even watching him the last few years when he's on the course he seems to take more enjoyment out of that than he did in the past. Yeah, M- misses the camaraderie, misses being on on the golf course with the guys, and so that was pretty cool to see. Okay, let's wrap it up with this. Uh, you got your women's bracket all lined up, Steve? You ready to break it down? We're going to every pick by pick? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not ready. Uh, I'm going to need uh, somebody. Well, this is Reese the, la- Davis this is the or last. Reese final- Witherspoon this, or somebody. I yeah, don't know. This is the last bracket you'll fill out until the Final Four is back in Tampa next year. So, Oh, that's right. That's right. The ladies' Final Four. That's a good event. So uh, I'm right about this. The USF women got hosed again. I mean, they really should have been a much higher seed. They got a sixth seed. They, they, had, right? they had the resume for a four seed. Uh, yeah. They got, which would have been hosting two games the first two rounds. Oh, and what an advantage that would have been in Tampa. That would have been awesome. But they're, go, they're a sixth seed going to Tallahassee again to play in Florida State's oh. pod. So they'll play Buffalo first. So and no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bulls. So if uh, for your bracket, pick the Bulls in that game. Yes. There you go. Can't lose. And then but eventually, am I right? They're in the same essential region with Yukon, is they, that right? They are in the Yukon region. So they've lost to them that's three times so, this year. Yeah, that's so unfair. I mean, I know somebody has to play the I mean, look, you're gonna have to play them to win. You have to beat them anyway to win the championship. But to be placed in, you know, after you faced them three times during the season. That just doesn't seem right, man. Send me anywhere but in Yukon's region. That's oh, rough. Well. It's rough. Yeah. Too bad for the Lady Bulls, but, hey, maybe they'll make it exciting and uh, get far. And You never know. That's why they play the games. Hey, my thanks to uh, everybody for hanging in there with my voice. I hope I didn't make it too painful for you. I actually feel worse than I sound, so that's probably not a good thing. But uh, we want you to uh, make this a habit, and we want your feedback. And it's not contagious. You can get us on Twitter. At Sports Day TV, that's at Sports Day TV, or you can reach me at NFL Stroud, and also uh, my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. We're going to have tomorrow, 
I think, uh, in fact, I know Cameron Brait and Mike Evans, who signed a huge deal, will be available at One Buck Place around 3 o'clock today, actually. I'll be out there. We'll have some sound from that. And uh, much, much more on free agency, of course. The Lightning, I think, Steve, are in action again soon, right? We'll be playing the Ottawa Senators tonight. They have their magic number to clinch a playoff spot is four. Wow. Columbus wow. Columbus is uh, can only get to 103 points if they win out, and the Lightning have 100. So uh, two more losses by Columbus or two more wins by Tampa Bay or combination, and they are in the playoffs. And did I see where they're, they, they're going to take my idea now and go with three goaltenders and let those two guys fight it out? They are going to go with three goaltenders. I'm not sure they're going to fight it out. Um, <laughs> I think uh, maybe it might spell a little rest for Vasilevsky down the stretch here. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's just a perfect time to yeah. do it, right? Mm-hmm. You, may have a, you may have a game or two where Vasilevsky doesn't even dress. They dress Budai and Lalo. That's what I would do. And yeah. give him the night off. Yeah, don't even make it an option. So he has to go in there if something, God forbid, happens. Um, Although I think you'll see Vasilevsky play against Boston for the three games. Yes. Well, those are those are big games, and they might determine a lot. Hey, we uh, we want you to uh, have a chance to rate this podcast and tell us what you think about it. And you can get it almost anywhere, right, Steve? Yeah, you can get anywhere you get podcasts, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio app. Uh, it's on SoundCloud or, of course, TampaBay.com slash sports has the latest. Subscribe to the podcast. You can write, rate it, or review it there, too. All right. I'm going to go get some drugs and hopefully have a better voice tomorrow. But I appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you. And have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.